Welcome to another episode of Mirapod Taste Buds. We are your buds, Melissa and Emily. And Mirapod Taste Buds is a podcast all about food, our daily lives, and how they intersect. And today we have a rather personal topic to you and <laughs> also me because I am a consumer of it. <laughs> but we're going to talk all about CSAs. Several reasons why this is coming to light. Let's be real. <laughs> first of all, this was my first year that I was on the supplier end of a CSA. And I wanted to do it an, an episode on this just because, A, when we first started, a lot of people did not know what that term meant. And to me, it seemed obvious. And I realized that, like, it's actually a very small percentage of the population that participates in this form of, like, consumerism. So... Yeah. I had literally never heard of the term before you... Really? Yeah. I don't know why it seemed like it was, like, commonplace to me. Mm -hmm. And, like, I guess it's probably just the circles that I run in and, like, the fact that I am a farmer, I guess. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's your circles, friend. Yeah. Yeah. What does it stand for? It is Communities Supported agriculture definitely a very duh like thing when you say that (laughs) but yeah definitely didn't know that's what it stood for yeah i had to explain it over and over again when i was telling people about the csa and like trying to spread awareness and and like do some word of mouth sort of marketing and a lot of people were like what is that what tell me more like they were interested but they were also just like completely like taken aback right so I would say it is hopefully the way of the future a little bit uh, because it really we really do have to get back to a time where you know yeah. what you're eating and consuming and yeah, you small know the people farms. producing it. Yeah. yeah, small farms are so necessary in, I feel like, today's day and age in particular. And a lot of people are going back to homesteading and mm-hmm. connecting with the land in, in that way and trying to grow their own food and things like that just so they have better control over the system and they're less dependent on big pharma. Like yeah. Big, big farms. Big pharma. In an odd way, I think <laughs> this pharma. was like perfect timing for you to start mm-hmm. the CSA like post pandemic because mm-hmm. so many people I think during the pandemic like you said were, were going to do that themselves they were doing homesteading and like you know yeah. producing their own stuff or there was more of an interest in small businesses I think during that time in mm-hmm. general um, so I think it was almost kind of like the perfect time to launch this because yeah. it was at the forefront of so many more people's minds yeah I think the farmers market movement movement in general and people like wanting to support their local farmer's market has gotten just like a lot bigger over the last years. And so I think this is kind of just like a same step in that direction, you know, mm-hmm. like of, of that same vein. So I'm going to jump into a little bit of history because I honestly didn't know too much about the history and of course was baffled to <laughs> to learn more. We always are. <laughs> Literally, I was like, how did I not know some of this stuff? I read a quote that was like at the turn of the 20th century, like, well, a little less, I think, than, like, half of, like, the population were farmers, which is, like, crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. That's not really that long ago. And now, and now what? It's, like, less than 10%? It's less than 2%. Wow. It's less than 2%, which is, like, that is staggering. Yeah, that's so, incredible. Oh, yeah. So in 1862, 
Lincoln actually signed legislation that established the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and he actually called it the People's Department because 90% of Americans at the time were farmers, Mm. which is absurd to think about. That's baffling, yeah. Yeah. So the 1870 census shows that farmers for the first time were in the minority at that point. So (laughs) of all employed persons, only 47.3%. 7% Seven percent were farmers in 1870, which is like that's funny that that's them like falling out of the majority. <laughs> like, that's wild. So as farming actually becomes more mechanized, farmers are relying more heavily on bank loans for the land and the equipment to actually farm in that manner. So mm. as this is falling sort of out of favor, it's becoming harder and more expensive to farm. So in 1920, the number of farms has grown to 6.5 million, and it's home to roughly 32 million Americans, and that was 30% of the population in 1920 are still farmers, which is pretty crazy. So it's a pretty steep decline, honestly. Yes, within 10 less than 10 years, it had already dropped like Mm -hmm. 30, 40 percent. Yeah, and then another, you know, fifty years, and you've dropped to thirty percent. That's pretty wild. Yeah, steep drop off. So, this is also because like migration is also contributing heavily heavily to this as well. Mm. People are moving to cities. Young people are like, I don't want to farm. They're over it, and so like it just is rapidly declining (laughs) from there, which is kind of sad and and unfortunate. But it's the way times go, you know. In 1985, the average size of U.S. farms has more than doubled since 1945. So farms were much smaller before, and then they literally start, like, ballooning to, like, these giant industrial farm complexes. So they went from 195 acres in, like, 1945 to 440 acres. That's the average size for, like, an American farm. Wow. Which is crazy to think about also. That's so much land. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the average cost of running a farm has increased almost 20 times. So mm. it requires an investment of at least 100 k to like $500,000 to get this farm off the ground and like started. So that's why majority of farms are no longer owned. They're rented. And mm. many farms are owned by like business partnerships or corporations rather than individuals. So we really lost this like ability to control our food source because it's owned by these like big conglomerates essentially it's just like gone Mm. hella corporate which like after being in the corporate world i know corporate world ain't for me yeah so (laughs) and you know they'd be cutting corners and just doing shady things and like it's never like good Mm -hmm. for everyone no (laughs) correct concerning correct (laughs) lots of concerns there enter csa's here so Essentially, CSAs are meant to connect producers and consumers within the the food system by allowing consumers to subscribe to the harvest of a certain farm or a group of farms. So it's an alternative to these larger structures where you're like not in control of the food distribution or you don't know the producer. So you do kind of share in the risks of farming a little bit because if the farm does well, the bounty is, is thick and you're reaping the goods. And if it's not great, like you also are feeling that effect. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's an interesting kind of model where you're not guaranteed something, but you are still going to like reap some pretty awesome benefits, I would say. Mm-hmm. And and one of those things is knowing your grower and like being able to feel more connected to your food. Case in point, mm-hmm. I would say. For sure. <laughs> it's all about like building a community and like it really is about 
a certain type of person, I think, at the end of the day, which is something that was hard to understand from, like, a marketing standpoint when we were starting this endeavor because it's, like, certain people are just not going to be interested in this, and that's okay. Yeah. The people that are into it are really, really passionate and really into it, and I think it, it makes it a lot more fun to grow and to connect with those people than, you know, you don't want people that aren't interested in, in, in good quality stuff. It's fine. Yeah. Like, that's not their their bag, and it's it is not for everyone, you know, but – um, I think that was some, one of the things I really had to like realize was like I value food so highly so I forget that other people don't feel the same way about food sometimes yeah so I don't know but I at the same time I also think that there's something to appreciate about a CSA even if you're not like this huge foodie or like super care about what you're putting into your body you know yeah. like like my partner, I wouldn't say particularly cares about <laughs> He does. Not the top of the list. <laughs> he does, but it's not the top of his list, yeah. you know? And, like, you know, it makes sense for who he is and where he, his background. But, <laughs> like, he still, every time we got a box, was, like, so in awe of the quality of the, the like, produce that was coming out of it and the quantity that you guys were providing us for the cost that we were paying. Like, yeah. it was definitely like economical for us as well as just like really cool to see what's going to be in this box this week. There's this whole like subscription box craze that I feel like the world has really latched onto hard. Mm. (laughs) Um, I can't remember what was like that first subscription service that I feel like we listened to a podcast about, or like, I don't know, went to some talk that talked about it or something. I don't know what I saw, but um they were talking all about that like subscription model and like that mm-hmm. was like so not a thing maybe 20 years ago mm-hmm. you know i don't even know if it was that long but yeah and now it's just like taking the world by storm pretty much everything is a subscription service between your tv your yeah. you know the you get all those like fab fit fun boxes mm-hmm. that are just random crap that you enjoy i just getting. signed up for that <laughs> did you yeah they got me with they the black friday freaking deal. tempting me but i'm like i have like all of these things i do not need to buy this no I, I did not need it but it was a wonderful surprise when i came home and it was there and i was like wow they bring you such joy like the surprise <laughs> element is something yeah. that i think really entices people for whatever mm-hmm. reason like i I always used to buy like mystery boxes from like artists and stuff or like at C2E2 and you know like comic-con events and shit like that like it was always Mm. fun to just like see what's going to be there yeah and I I don't know what it is about that Mm. model that we're so drawn to but it's clearly a winner (laughs) yeah it really is I mean like wine subscriptions all those things have like gotten me because I'm just Mm -hmm. like I love that something just shows up and like I forgot that I've paid for it. I guess it feels like I'm just like getting a gift. But exactly. I paid for this. But. I think you end up like enticing more people that way, but that wouldn't normally maybe partake in something like this. Yeah. But see the added value once they start getting it and, you know, get excited about these kinds of things. Yeah, that's very real. So it's interesting because when I first started researching this, <laughs> there was always a twist i feel like when we start researching something (laughs) that like comes up and it's like you think you know but you have no idea (laughs) and with csa's it was like okay first myth is that it the movement supposedly began in japan like some 50 years ago with a group of women that were like alarmed by the pesticides in like food and wanted to kind of like take it back that way and that that spread to europe and then to the u.s from a single massachusetts farm in like the mid 1980s Hmm. but not entirely true (laughs) 
The community farm initiatives really got underway in both Japan and Chile in like the early 1970s. But those efforts did not really directly influence the start of like the CSA movement in the States. And there was actually two American like CSA farms that kind of got their start. And some of people do like credit this Austrian philosopher Rudolf Steiner with like some of his ideas being like some of the foundation that kind of went into like some of the stuff that happened and like what was being cultivated like post-World War II and then kind of grew in like the 50s, 60s, 70s. Hmm. Well, those two farms that started in the mid 80s are Indian Line Farm in Massachusetts and Temple Wilton Community Farm in New Hampshire. And those ones are like the two first ones that everyone wants to talk about when you're like talking about oh it wasn't like didn't come from japan yada yada Mm -hmm. and then the more i did research the more i was like actually the truth is which like shocker the dawn of csa's really goes back to george washington carver a little bit because he was doing work that centered specifically around supporting black Southern farmers in the wake of the Civil War. So he starts working with black farmers in effort to create more lucrative, productive farms. Um, a lot of people are sharecropping at this time, so they're already like in debt. And he's trying to do whatever he can to get these people to actually have like profit. Mm. So he showed them how to also replenish poor, poor quality soil, that restrictive nutrients and nutrition as a result of monocropping, like cotton and tobacco all over the South was. So Carver encouraged people to do crop rotation he was really big into like um foraging and like growing your own vegetables and and proteins to save on food costs and also show them how to like compost and and stop using expensive commercial fertilizers and things like that but his mentee booker t watley is really the person that is should be credited for the kind of birth of the csa so he is a black author, horticulturist, and professor at Tuskegee University in Alabama. And he actually identified 10 commandments that he considered essential for successful farming. And this is in the 1960s and 70s. So he's like kind of at the forefront of this. Yeah. So included in these commandments was the concept of a clientele membership club, which <laughs> is essentially what a CSA is, where the club members paid an upfront fee to pick their own produce all season long. So it allowed for the, the farmers to pay for necessary seeds and equipment at the beginning of the season without taking out loans because people would have bought into the success of this farm already. Mm. So it also saved growers a ton of time and effort required to harvest uh, produce because he had this like you pick kind of model, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Um, and you also had like more agency in choosing like the food that you were eating. So yeah, it's pretty fascinating that that's actually where CSAs come from and kind of that like pick your own model also. That was like super foundational to many small to like mid-sized farms and obviously it's becoming more popular today. So doesn't surprise me that it was, you know, black people at the nope. forefront mm-hmm. and like frankly like, you know, I think there's always been interesting agricultural practices by black people mm-hmm. like because of the slave trade and things like that. Like yeah. they've always been, you know, like kind of it was a community instance and that's like whatever food you had you Mm -hmm. shared amongst your people you know so like it doesn't surprise me that these ideas kind of came from black people yeah already had to be we were already a community (laughs) doing what we got to do had to band together Mm -hmm. so i actually read the 10 commandments and it's it's adorable and uh, they honestly still ring very true today so it's Thy small farm shalt, and it's one, provide year-round daily cash flow. Mm. 
Uh, two is be a pick your own operation, which is pretty genius, quite frankly. Like we harvest everything by hand pretty much on the farm and it is just my partner and I. So hard work. Yeah, it is hard work. Those and would be like fun events to do too. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. I hope that we can become more of a pick your own operation. And I mean, we can't pick our strawberries fast enough and people love them, but it <laughs> honestly is not a lucrative thing for us to be spending our time doing. Yeah. So it's, it's unfortunate because they're delicious, but I was like, yeah, I guess send people out there to get their own. Yeah. <laughs> Strawberry Saturdays, baby. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so three is have a guaranteed market with a clientele membership club. CSA, provide year-round full-time employment. Five is be located on a hard-surfaced road within a radius of 40 miles of a population center of at least 50,000 with well-drained soil and an excellent source of water. Wow, so specific. specific. (laughs) No. Okay. Six is produce only what the clients demand and nothing else, which that one is a very Mm. good one and is very hard, I think, for my partner in particular because he (laughs) likes to grow um exotic or like heirloom varieties or like just things that are not always the most traditional and people are often looking for what they know so it's hard to sometimes convince people like oh no this is really good you're gonna love it you know and like honestly also like we like to buy a lot of seeds that look cool or like the the produce looks unique or different and it's it's not always the thing that's gonna sell the most or be the most lucrative for the farm so it's hard to kind of like taper those expectations a little bit so yeah something we need to work on (laughs) my this is probably my favorite one is shun middle men and middle women like the plague for they are a curse upon thee oh my god what (laughs) (laughs) which like truth like truth be told if like you have to have someone else like be that middle person they're taking a cut so it's cutting Mm. into your profits that makes total sense true Eight is con- <laughs> consist of compatible complementary crop components that earn a minimum of $3,000 per acre annually. Mm. Be weatherproof, at least as far as possible, with both drip and sprinkler irrigation. And 10 is be covered by a minimum of $250,000 worth, or a million dollars is better, of liability insurance. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wise words. Yeah, those uh-huh. all definitely seem like they all pretty much applies to <laughs> Yeah, he has a book, and I honestly was like, I need to read the book and, and, and learn more about this man, especially with yeah, Black History it. Month coming. I was like, perfect. Mm. Put him on my list. It's a good read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the purpose and benefits of a CSA, obviously dismantling the power imbalances and encouraging equity. That is like one of the biggest things that I find to be the most exciting and like powerful mm-hmm. is that I have the ability to grow my own food, grow enough to feed the people that I love, and then hopefully also like either donate to charity, whatever else is left over, or to like get other people involved in the system so that they no longer have to rely on big corporate agriculture to like feed them and sustain them like Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about i think food equity and food sovereignty and i think that those topics are more and more intriguing to me as a grower and Mm -hmm. being able to have power in the system to like flip the scales and like like i don't need you you know yeah i can i could sustain myself and a good swath of people yeah absolutely (laughs) Which is pretty dope. Uh, Non-chemical agriculture also. Like, we are pesticide-free, organic. We use organic practices for sure. Um, No-till. Yeah, no-till. Super regenerative. Like, we're good to the land, and the land is good to us in return. I think knowing what's in your food is 
one of the things that concerns me most as we get older, I have seen so many people sick with different types of things that undoubtedly could probably be traced back to our food system, which is really alarming. Mm -hmm. And our water, like literally like (laughs) I can't remember what article I was reading, but it it was about PFAS and like forever chemicals. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about how like 50% of like our water supply in America is, is tainted at least. And that's just like a, that's like a generalization. They don't even know. And I was like, I drink a lot of water. Yeah. And like, that's one of the things we were at a restaurant recently and the water tasted terrible. Mm. I was like, I am not sure how water could taste this bad. It was like leaving a weird taste in my mouth afterwards. And I was like, I can't drink this water. And I was thinking about a future with, Water not being, like, a resource that I can easily, like, consume and be happy and be secure with. And, like, that is, like, a scary future to me. And even when we buy stuff now at the grocery store, because it's the off-season, it's really hard for me to, like, A, not buy organic. Because I'm Mm. like, but the prices sometimes are ridiculous. Yeah, some are crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, how much does it really matter? And I'm like, well, it's just my insides and my organs, you know. (laughs) I'm just like, what am I putting in my body? Like, I like to know. And I want to know. And yeah. I want to know it's good and clean. This is a side <laughs> tangent, but I literally yesterday was watching uh, Doctor Who because I'm trying to catch up before mm. the new season and all these things. <laughs> and um, there's an episode that's basically about like an alien pathogen that Ooh. feeds on plastic. And oh. it, they there's basically like scientists that chose Earth as like mm. a real life petri dish essentially Mm -hmm. to like test this pathogen and like Mm. test how they could find a a cure for it and what all this stuff because we're just like saturated in plastics and so it was just like the episode was like under the indian ocean under like a giant (laughs) trash pile and like all these things but it it was it was just very interesting because it was like you know they cut open birds because all the birds keep dying and they're just filled with plastic inside and Blah, blah 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 and all these people are dying because there's plastic inside all of us and it's like Yikes. this is just so scary and real <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean i think that's a totally like legitimate reason and fear like the we are consuming so much more chemicals and plastics than we mm-hmm. ever have before and so much more of our food is processed now than yeah. ever before um, and we don't know the long-term <laughs> effects of a lot of that stuff yet. Like no, no one is really testing for it. It hasn't been long enough to really see the long-term effects. And yeah. I know in like another, you know, 20 years, we're going to be like, oh shit, that was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Looking back on it now, don't love it. Um, I think one of the scary things too, is that I know several people that are young that have experienced cancer at yeah. this point. And my partner often says like it's inevitable we'll all get cancer at some point and i'm like i can't think like that i know like it's possible can't afford to think like that the costs alone i'm like we can't have to die we've already talked about it (laughs) if either one of us has that instance we were we will not be able to afford to live and we will probably just try to eat an organic diet and say no to chemo because we can't afford it but yeah (laughs) Hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is worst case scenario. Yeah, that is worst case scenario. But yeah, scary realities for sure. That... It is. It is. It's hard to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why it's, it, it is all the more important to try to take whatever small steps you can. And I think mm-hmm. this is one of the easiest ones to, to try to do. You know, you're supporting mm-hmm. 
uh, your community, local growers, yeah. small businesses, and you're getting like great benefits for your own health. Like, where's the downside? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does have like this mutual support system and like the producer consumer relationship that forms and is there is like really refreshing. There's not many instances in my life where I get to connect with people on this level I feel like anymore like I in my day-to-day work life I'm not getting like a mm-hmm. a connection like this you know where we're really talking and like getting down to like some of the stuff that when I'm just dropping off like a CSA basket with someone and like having five minutes to connect like yeah it, in a consumer way like that doesn't happen like I'm a friendly person so I talk to people at like the supermarket or like whatever <laughs> right. or like when I eat out and like I talk to the server like a human being and like I have conversations like that but I don't think everyone else does that no they always so, seem shocked a little bit when yeah, you yeah. <laughs> I, I could feel the vibe when I was out recently where the lady was like oh wow she's really nice we're having a cabo <laughs> she's, she's, she's feeling me I'm yeah. feeling her this is working <laughs> I felt like she was feeling the vibe um, but the other thing I was also coming to mind when you said that about processed foods also, I work at a healthcare company and we often are trying to encourage healthy eating at events and like the food that we provide, of course. Mm-hmm. And often I am shocked by how many people still do not understand what healthy food is. When mm. I have to tell you like, <laughs> no, that's not healthy. Like it just, it's, it blows my mind. It yeah. blows my mind. We're just really disconnected from like, actual raw foods and fruits and vegetables and like food yeah (laughs) absolutely like you just mentioned three processed things that are not at all healthy like i'm always just like flabbergasted at what people will be like yeah yeah i just can't get over i just saw an article the other day that i need to do look into more and find more research on it if everybody else out there wants to do the research for me you let me know (laughs) but i it basically said that like um some hsas will you can use those funds to pay for like gym memberships or like even some like healthy like food subscription type things and stuff like that i was like that's interesting i didn't realize you could use it in such a fashion should i be paying with my gym membership for that i know right i I was like those are funds i could be using yeah not charging to other things so something to look into i'm not sure if it's like all you know hsas and all that kind of stuff i'm sure there's tons of loopholes but of course um definitely something worth looking into if that is the case (laughs) it it seemed like it was like a more recent decision um yeah to include those kinds of things but fascinating awesome that we're trying to find like more ways to encourage healthy habits for people you know yeah it's especially america is you yeah. know it's so great in that we're very sedentary people like yeah we our country is so much more built around like automotive travel and things like that too oh, like yeah. we're not like as walkable as most other european cities are so like it's it's tricky to be healthy in this world that is very true it is very hard to get used to the idea of like inconveniencing yourself in any way because <laughs> it is so much easier to just opt for eating out or you know you know like a microwaved meal or all those things like mm-hmm. convenience is king i get it you know i'm i'm not it's why to... we're at where we're at yeah sure. I, exactly yeah. i i completely understand like it's it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that people opt to just be comfortable and and have things come to them and <laughs> make yeah. it simple for themselves because there's not enough time in the day to 
to devote to some of this stuff sometimes, which is unfortunate. So mm-hmm. I think the other thing that I is a huge benefit of a CSA is learning to eat in season. Mm. That is something tricky. Even most I, people probably don't even know the season. Yes, most things. No, I honestly am so much more hyper aware now that I grow these things. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is not in season right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was funny because our niece is very obsessed with fruit. Yeah. And she literally was like, I want more raspberries. And it's like, no, we actually don't have any more raspberries. You ate all the raspberries. And then I, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, they are not in season anymore, girl. You got to switch to your winter citrus. Yeah, citrus all day, <laughs> which the citrus right now is popping. I've been yeah. buying like my citrus and it is so much better right now. I'm yeah. like, it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> not a bad one in the bunch. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it is so crucial. And like, because we have so many factory farms and large commercial things and things that are shipped around the country and transported, it's very easy to forget that these things are not in season because they're always in the grocery store. They're in season somewhere. Yeah, in somewhere. (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's right. Miles and miles away from you, but somewhere. Yeah, but always better to to find it locally when you can and it's always nice when it is so fresh and delicious because it's Mm. in season (laughs) i think it's also what amazed me too is more nutrient dense and just fresher stuff that lasts just like exponentially longer than what you buy in a grocery store when Mm. we started buying herbs in the grocery store again i was like how the hell did this cilantro go bad in a day instantly literally i can't buy herbs anymore they just like if i if it's not for the meal i'm cooking that day there's no point no yeah we have a grocery store behind our house so literally like we're pretty good about like buying what we need for that meal but like i'm always surprised when i do buy something and it literally is already like rotten or bad or whatever because like if you pick something in the garden you normally have like a good like two weeks of that produce being yeah being in good shape for most things i mean those strawberries that we pick you pretty much have to eat them the same day they're really like uh you must get to them quickly but everything else your gourds i feel like last months it's like they're they're fine (laughs) yeah we literally when we cleaned out our cellar in the spring had way too many carrots last year so many so many carrots we gave us so many carrots i can't even imagine you had more carrots like i had to throw away carrots because i was like what am i gonna do with all these carrots yeah we threw away (laughs) probably like three storage bins worth of carrots but they lasted so long. It was yeah. amazing. Like we had root beets vegetables. in there. Yeah, root vegetables. It's amazing mm. how long things will last. Yeah. And like just so much more nutrient dense, which I can't remember where I heard it. But like the quality of the food that we eat today compared to what was coming out of the ground 100 years ago has so much less value mm. because the soil quality and health is mm. so much poorer. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's amazing what we've managed to do by just destroying the earth yet again. But yeah. yeah. And a, a large part of the like soil thing is the like the mechanization, right? Yeah. Like using mm-hmm. all these machines to till soil yep. and um, pesticides you know, and pesticides, chemicals. Just stripping soil of all the nutrients mm-hmm. that it has, basically, right? And 100%. just like soil erosion and all of yeah, those things. Yeah. All of those things go hand in hand. <clears throat> yeah. And are literally affecting each other, too, which is like the most unfortunate part because more yeah soil that is not disturbed and is literally added you add organic matter back to it mm-hmm. literally won't blow away and when your topsoil blows mm-hmm. away and you have the erosion problem it's all just like mm-hmm. literally cyclical so it's it's a real slippery slope as they say <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth. 
Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> but, I mean, talk to me a little bit more about, like, Prairie's Edge. Because, like, what were some of your biggest concerns that you were worried about in year one? I think in the beginning, we were really concerned about having enough. We mm. were like, we... Need to well, make that's sure. a hard thing to like measure and and mm-hmm. and plan for, right? Mm-hmm. And we didn't have people sign up early as as early as I would have hoped this year, uh, the first year, because we just weren't really ready. We were still yeah. building our You're website. Like, we're going into it. <laughs> yeah, we were still like trying to get our plants started. So we really didn't know how many people we were going to have sign up, and we had thirty spots. So we were like, okay, well, we're going to plan for thirty and then see how it goes and and go from there. And so we had we filled probably about half of those. We had probably like 15 people that we were regularly supplying produce to every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And we were just so concerned that things weren't going to be ready when they were supposed to be. I, mm. that, we had a huge spreadsheet that we created that was long as hell. Literally was trying to map out like if this is the seedling start date and this is when it sprouts then <laughs> this so many weeks to maturity and then then it'll be ready for harvest and it's like that spreadsheet was like so overwhelming and like stressful in the beginning i think that was like one of the biggest challenges and like mm. getting organized and getting a website launched and like yeah all of the things leading up to it just felt really like a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to like get it right and like get people signed up and like the first time we went to deliver was just like nerve wracking and not prepared and like we literally like didn't have a system down you know so like I think that was just the unknown the terrifying unknown of starting any new project yeah was just like a daunting scary task for sure (laughs) how could it not be yeah absolutely (laughs) embarking on something that you've never done before (laughs) in a massive way you are asking people to invest in in your business and your your farm and in in the Mm. dream and it's you don't want to disappoint anyone which is always the thing you yeah know. there's like a community relying you mm-hmm. on you for literally food on the table yeah <laughs> it's yeah. that's a heavy ask for sure correct correct what were some of like the biggest challenges that you faced i think the other challenge was we are just two people and i have a full-time job mm. so having the time and the energy to get it all done became like the second biggest challenge for sure and like we only had one vehicle to deliver produce with and everyone pretty much wanted delivery very few people came to pick up religiously and i thank the people that came to pick up so much because that is a huge game changer yeah it's incredibly difficult to also be the delivery service for the product sure (laughs) And, like, literally the logistics of, like, how many crates we could fit in the car had to be worked out prior. And, like, <laughs> then you add flowers and bouquets in the mix and you don't want your flowers to get crushed. And it's like, oh, my God. And then you're also literally having to blast the air conditioning in the car the entire way. And you're it's this middle of summer, so you're in, like, a tank top. So, like, the first time we drove down, we were both freezing cold. Like, oh, my God, we should have been wearing sweatshirts in the car. Like, why did we not do this? Like, why am I wearing sandals? My toes are icicles. <laughs> so Lessons learned. Yeah. Major lessons learned in the beginning, for sure. And I think in the beginning, it was just, like, forgetting to kind of enjoy the moments because you're just like so worried about getting it all done and it's like at the end of the day like these people are incredibly understanding people all the people that signed up were either 
friends or like family members or like people you've known for yeah a, a few of them actually weren't like people were kind of some of them, a few of them were newer friends or newer mm-hmm. people that we had kind of just kind of connected with so but most of them were all just like incredibly understanding individuals yeah. and because they're wanting to support yeah, a new business yeah you know? exactly like, and they they like what we like which is good food and yeah. like good produce and cooking and, and and supporting a small business and and local and all that good stuff so I think if we allowed if we had allowed ourselves a little bit more grace on certain days, uh, it definitely makes it a lot more enjoyable when we're having fun. Yeah, obviously. Do you think it'll be a two person operation for for a while for the foreseeable future? I mean, we can't afford to pay anyone, so. <laughs> Um, you can at least maybe do like more harvest days or something to bring that yeah. community of people yes, to we the actually, farm and, and do some of the work for you. <laughs> we actually do have more of a drive to host like volunteer days mm-hmm. and we've had a few other opportunities of schools and educators that have reached out to us yeah. to offer their students to come to the farm and like volunteer work and I think that is something we need to rely heavier on this year is allowing more people to come to the garden and and see it and experience it and help yeah I think that's a a huge thing for sure like even um you know urban harvest uh, we were Mm -hmm. a part of like the community garden in Mm -hmm. St. Louis for like they had like unpaid interns i'm pretty sure and things like that that were like helping run events yeah that's Um, true you know so definitely like something to consider there because like i feel like a lot of people that are looking to get into this line of work this space or just like learn more about agriculture in any capacity would Mm -hmm. have some interest in helping or volunteering or you know doing whatever um and definitely like school programs and things like that i think would be not only like you know helpful but Mm -hmm. also just like really rewarding to get to engage with your local community more and get the younger generation more interested in this because ultimately like that is kind of the goal is like to try to like switch the tides and yeah and get more people thinking this way definitely i think it's really hard to give up on that imposter syndrome feeling and I, I'm looking forward to this year feeling more like I'm in my stride and yeah. that I'm, like, more comfortable with myself and and, and my knowledge base. Because I think it being, like, our first year doing it, I mean, not, this isn't my first year necessarily on the farm, but I'm only, I think this is my, this will be my third year mm-hmm. um, really working on the farm, pretty much. And you guys really um, were ramping up this year. And yeah. So much. And yeah. It, it was a full-time job honestly 100%. so um yeah i think like year one novices sure mm-hmm. maybe a little bit but you're yeah. leveling up quickly and yeah definitely. and now you have a lot more experience under your belt to go into the second year yeah i'm less afraid i have less fear that's <laughs> yeah. for sure <laughs> uh, truth be told what's something that surprised you something that surprised me hmm this is a multiple answer one. <laughs> a was the shock of getting over people not really knowing what CSAs were. <laughs> the second shock was that people really do not eat vegetables. People were like... Or not a wide variety of yes. them. People are, are fairly picky. Yes. I think. Yes. Like, Which... I'm trying to think of a, we- a weird one that you gave us. Well, even like eggplant. 100%. You gave us a lot of egg... Pretty much every box had eggplant in it. It did. I Towards the don't think summer. I've 
ever cooked eggplant before this yeah. growing season. Like, yeah. I don't think I've ever tried to make anything with it before. Yes. I've eaten it out. Yes. But I've never cooked it myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that was probably one of the most surprising things was that, like, people are excited to try new things. Mm-hmm. But they're also still, like, looking for, like, the the usual suspects yeah. at the same and, time. Like, when you're trying to cook a meal, like, you still do need some staples. Yeah. You know? Oh, like, absolutely. I still need spinach. I yeah. still need The basics are necessary. You know? <laughs> the basics are very necessary. <laughs> I think the other thing that surprised me even is the, like, amount of variety is truly staggering that exists out there that most people are not aware of, even as a grower, that I was not aware of. Because mm-hmm. in the store... You see, you get one kind. Yeah, you see garlic. You don't see okay. This is German extra hardy. You don't see that this is music or like whatever type it is. There's so many different types of garlic. We just added three new types of garlic this year, and I was just like, I wonder how many exist because I have no idea. Yeah. What became even more bizarre to me was realizing that like or getting curious as to why certain vegetables or are fruits the favorite or yeah, yeah or do have varieties in a in a grocery store even you yeah. know like there's. 10 different kinds of apples in a grocery store. That's true. But you only get one strawberry, one yeah. watermelon, one, yeah. you know. Like. And there are so many different types of melons. Yeah. So, like, that is flabbergasting. The watermelons you gave us were orange. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. One of his favorite They're the most delicious grow. watermelon I've ever had in my life. My boyfriend was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever eaten. <laughs> and we had, like, the tiniest, like, sliver because you only had, like, so many of them. And it yeah. was, like, we, we were savoring it so hard <laughs> yeah that was one of the the biggest surprises also that we had this year was that our melons did not do well and he like derek loves melons he loves growing different kinds and we had probably like five or six different kinds that we tr- we started hmm. and only a few made it to actually produce melons it was very disappointing it was too very hot for melons too cold? i i don't know what went wrong honestly yeah. this year for them i mean the drought was definitely an issue for mm. a while we definitely had some like pest issues i think that was related to the drought too where they were like boring into the vines and like mm. things and also our <laughs> we have ground squirrels like crazy and they were eating holes in lots of them and then the bugs would get to them so it was just like a matter of just like you couldn't keep them protected enough yeah even if they got to the point of producing a fruit which was like <laughs> oh my god so yeah we definitely and we also we made our own soil mix this year and i think that did well for certain things but certain plants did not like the the mix that we made too so i think gotta cater more towards yeah i think getting them started right in like the right situation maybe it will be it will be important for next year for sure if we want to see more melons so (laughs) yeah freaking endless lessons in this process i honestly don't know how you do it because like just caring for like one plant is a lot Mm -hmm. to care for so many different ones is beyond yeah that's real (laughs) i think the other thing that surprised me too is like even me like i think i know what i like but then like i'm like let me try these things because i haven't tried all of them and you know and i'm like i found like my favorite tomato variety is the moonshadow. Really love those. Didn't know that that was my favorite one, really, until, like, this year. I was like, hmm, noted. Still learning new things. And, like, we had multiple different kinds of eggplants, as you said. Mm-hmm. And, like, my mom was like, the skin on this one was really tough. And I was like, I don't remember 
remember that being the case. And then when I, I cooked one like right after that, so I was like, now I need to see. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, the skin on this is so much different. I don't remember it being like this, but it may have just been like we needed to harvest it at a different time. Like it was probably a little too early or a little too late. So I was like, hmm, noted. Like there's little like nuances that you pick up on mm-hmm. that over time become more and more like apparent to you, which I think is really interesting. And especially with all the different varieties that are out there now, I'm just like, it amazes me that I'm still finding new things to try and I feel like I've eaten a lot of different things. So yeah. like, <laughs> so it's pretty wild to think of like these people that are picky eaters and they only like to like the one variety or only have tried the one variety that they found in their grocery store. And it's like, you don't actually know you don't like these things, you know, yeah. like you think you're picky because like you don't want to try them maybe, but like you should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give it another shot. Yeah. It might surprise you. Yeah. I always like to be surprised. I think that's, yeah. Is there any like feedback that you got from like people that supported the CSA this season that you're going to take into next season? I wish that we had gotten more feedback from people. It was yeah. a lot of positive feedback, which was great. Um, I do think that you didn't do like an end of season survey. At all, no, right? I forgot to do it again. We yeah. did one like kind of mid season, but I don't think anyone even responded. So I was like, forget about it fuck it um no it's fine it's so it's so busy and i don't have time to follow up either so it's like whatever i I also am like i'm a crazy person who does like all surveys and i love doing surveys so i do like doing surveys yeah (laughs) yeah this is a this is a personal thing (laughs) yeah one of the things that we we want to be able to do this year is to offer like different levels of the subscription because a lot of people told me like Oh, like, I'd love to, but I'd love to, but, and like a couple of their responses were like, well, I'm a picky eater. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Or like, I don't really cook that much or yeah, like, like, whatever. Here's just the classics. Yeah. Or here's, exactly. you know, the adventurous box. Exactly. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. I listened to some other like farm podcasts too. And I, I have heard of other farms literally like catering to people's preferences where people can kind of like check, like check a box and be like, yes, I want these things in there. Um, and like, that is no, that I like pick your that. own model that you were kind of kind talking of, about earlier, yeah, right? A little bit. I mean, that was like, more so like physically pick it. Physically, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is more like customizing your box, yeah. which like as a person who loves subscription boxes, I also love to customize. Like yeah. I would op- mm-hmm. absolutely opt for that, you mm-hmm. know? So I've heard of some farms having success with that, but it seems like very labor intensive for us to like keep Seems up like a with lot more and, to track yeah. instead of like you know here mm-hmm. just everybody's getting this yeah <laughs> be done with it that's a whole lot more planning for sure yeah definitely but as you grow like definitely something to consider exactly and i do i do think that idea of like you know here's like just the classics for those people mm-hmm. that are picky or you yeah. know like are just looking for the things on their grocery list yeah like that would I think get a wider range of people interested. Mm -hmm. And then like, obviously like the people that are more culinarily adventurous and are like chefs or cooks and really want like those like more exotic ingredients or to try more things or like a bigger box. Like those people are going to opt for that subscription. So I think catering a little bit more to what people want will be a a definitely benefit for the future. Yeah. How much planning does go into each box? Oh my God. Again, back to that giant spreadsheet in the beginning. (laughs) Like, we tried to map out 
when we thought everything was going to be ready and like plugged it all in on the spreadsheet and had it all like divided out onto like tabs as to like what we thought would be in each box each week. And I would say we were about 60% accurate <laughs> with like the timing on when things would be ready. There were certain things that really did not get going until much later. Honestly, we also started very early or what I considered to be early. We started in like March, mm. but we still were not, the first box felt incredibly light. We still had a bunch of like different variety and things in there but my bouquets almost none of the flowers were ready we picked Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff from the prairie that first time which was also very (laughs) nerve-wracking um but it did end up working out pretty well but yeah yeah, definitely definitely different different than we thought (laughs) not quite on track with a lot of those things so i think just making sure you have enough variety and like spread out and like also the two-week mark is really difficult because certain things would be ready you know like the Mm. week when we were off we didn't have anyone we're giving boxes to and it's like well this thing's ready now and it's like we can we pick it early and keep it in the fridge will it work will it stay will it keep and it's like it was a lot of like the timing getting the timing right for sure very tricky yeah sometimes (laughs) it's like no i'm ready today and if you wait till tomorrow yeah it's not (laughs) it's too late yeah it will bolt and be over (laughs) i think the other thing too with the planning was getting down our system as to like who packs the boxes out what order Mm. do you pack them in do you Mm -hmm. put all the stuff in the same corner so you can kind of keep things straight because there were multiple times where we'd be like we don't have enough of this. How did this happen? Where is it? Because we counted the right number in the beginning. And, and, then, <laughs> and then it's not there in the last box. And it's like somehow one box got two of something and not of the other. And it was so frustrating yeah. whenever that would happen. Our first trip down to the city, we forgot someone's crate entirely. And oh, I was no. like, how the fuck? Because we didn't, I literally didn't print out a spreadsheet or a checklist. I was yeah. like, what am I doing? Because I was not prepared. And so now like, do you have like a checklist oh, for yeah. everything that goes in the box and then a checklist for like all the boxes total? Yeah. <laughs> Like, okay. And still that system needs to be refined. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> There's um, a lot of moving parts. <laughs> yeah, logistics is one tricky bitch. Fine-tuning that system is a process in itself. And the limitations, again, on, like, space and, like, how much time you have and, like, how much you can fit in your car. Yeah, yeah. things you don't even think about yeah. being a problem We're until trying to figure out it's how time. To... Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> You did do flowers this year as well. Is there any like lessons or like rewarding, you know, moments from that process or surprises in that? I love the flowers so much. I think I, we did again, too much variety. That is like our, our weak Achilles heel is that we love doing a lot of different things and flowers it's hard because it's like yeah you want every color every shape every size and they all are so different like the amount of dahlias you have and every single dahlia is so different a hundred some are the size of your face some are (laughs) you know really symmetrical some are really like (laughs) wild and cool so yeah i think what i learned this year is like playing to the top players that are just like workhorses in the garden that just keep coming again Mm. and like again and again my favorite this year straw flower Mm. which one is that that is the one you have in that vase right there the orange ones oh yeah those are gorgeous i love those they dry they feel like a dried flower already Mm -hmm. so they dry fantastic they the color does not fade they are vibrant they're fantastic i was really worried that when i dried them that they weren't going to stay vibrant and i was so pleasantly surprised like all of those flowers i was really shocked oh yeah yeah the celosia is also great for Mm -hmm. that 
Um, I definitely want to do more dried flowers, more pressing of flowers, more drying of flowers in general. I already saved a lot this year, but I could have done a lot more, which yeah. I was like, I want to get better at pressing them and finding something too. to do with them once they're pressed. Oh, that was like the <laughs> biggest learning curve for sure yeah. was learning how to press them and dry them in like the right ways. And I still had a long way to go, but yeah. Um, that is definitely one of my biggest takeaways from this year is that I could be doing a lot more with the flowers for sure. And like even just like event flowers or like just like mm-hmm. things for like holidays and things like that. I'd like to make a bigger push to make it a bigger piece of the business. Yeah. I mean, um, honestly, bouquets but... are like really good money. I feel yeah. like, like you, yeah. you pay a pretty penny for a bouquet mm-hmm. and it does not cost that much. No. Those seeds are not nearly as expensive as what you're charging our florist on our street charged me twenty dollars for one single ranunculus stem a single a single stem stem. i've heard of shit like that with like roses and like i don't know some of those things my mind almost exploded i grew ranunculus this year and it was very difficult i only got i think maybe six stems out of the like 30 plants that i planted 30 bucks each yeah they're beautiful granted but yeah it is it's a racket that is worth it in my mind too because i love oh i love every farmer's market that's what i every weekend i would love to get flowers from a farmer those people always sell out yeah Every day. Because women love flowers, men love flowers, people love flowers. They brighten your day. It always makes me so happy to see, like, a vase full of flowers at home. So, yeah. Very rewarding, for sure. Yeah. 100%. All right. But what about your second year? What are you going to be most excited for going into Oh, man. I am so anxious right now to get things planned because we – I kept feeling like we had all this time, and now it feels like, oh, my God, we're already, like, we need to be (laughs) ready and and, and in charge here. So – I am most excited to fine-tune the systems that we already have in place and to get, like, an earlier jump on the year than we had last year. Mm-hmm. And hopefully to grow it a little bit larger and to do the farm-to-table dinners. Those are, yeah. like, the biggest things I'm excited for. I, the farm-to-table dinners will be really awesome if we can make that happen, and I am, I'm hopeful that this year we'll at least do one a month maybe, but... I think uh, those would be so fun. I mean, yeah. it, it was just fun to go and do the, uh, you know, we had like a potluck mm-hmm. harvest dinner thing at the farm. And like, yeah. that was so fun. It was like yeah. really like Ray had never seen the farm. And yeah. it was exciting for him to oh, totally. go to this place <laughs> that we've getting, gotten boxes <laughs> every other week from. And, um, you know, and it really just puts into perspective, like the hard work that you guys are doing and the yeah. scale to which you guys are doing things. And, um to watch it evolve over time like that farm is so different than the last mm-hmm. time i was there yeah like, a, like two years ago maybe you know like yeah. it's grown exponentially and you guys have done a lot with it i was incredibly giddy to have people at the farm and i literally felt like i was on 11 all day because i was just like ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, but i wish that we had taken another drone photo this year just because we did change the footprint of the garden so much and the aerial shot really would have shown that so i'm excited to take mm-hmm. one when like spring hopefully gets started so we can kind of see it at like yeah, be- the beginning stage still again right um and then hopefully we'll get another one at the end of the year too to see how it's come along the other thing i am excited for is we are going to like move some of our like fences a little bit and like build another arch that goes into our orchard which i'm excited for Mm. because we built an arch that went into the main garden area this year and it is really fun it like really just like (laughs) changes the whole it's so cute 
And I am excited because we planted clematis last year and I planted a few bulbs along it this year too that I that should come up in the spring. So I'll have a lot more flowers hopefully covering it and it'll be a lot more like lush um, and kind of filled in, which is, is really exciting to see mm-hmm. as well. So <laughs> Fun things ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the road ahead in, in general is, is a bit daunting, but once we once we get a few things squared away and things start falling into place, it'll be less scary instantly. Yeah. So. And it's bright, <laughs> I think, you know? I think, like, for a first year, I would say you were successful, you know? Yeah. You had multiple people wanting boxes. You mm-hmm. successfully managed to get everything to everybody. Yeah. You know, it was a, a good season. Yeah, that's definitely true. One in the books. <laughs> yeah, I'm incredibly appreciative to all the people that supported us and and showed interest and yeah gave us any sort of support because it it is a huge part of our relationship and like what brings us joy and it really is wonderful to be able to share it with other people and mm-hmm. to get to like have them <laughs> experience what it feels like to like know where your food comes from and really like have a connection to the people that grew it like that's pretty awesome i mean we're a small population of farmers so (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) gotta stick together (laughs) indeed indeed well cheers to all the csas out there i really do encourage everyone to to go to your local farmers market to support local businesses small businesses especially in this day and age (laughs) it's so easy to just do the like convenient thing and sometimes it's nice to do something that's a little more personal and special and to really connect with people mm-hmm. so cheers cheers yay